This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, February 13th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. The proponents of modern monetary theory argue that money is uniquely the province of government. And that assertion drives many of the advocates' ideas about spending, taxing, inflation, and other public concerns. The Cato Institute's George Selgin discusses the new-slash-old ideas encapsulated in modern monetary theory. For those who are new to this, I know that uh, monetary discussions often don't attract the attention we think they ought, they ought to. Uh, but for those who are unaware of it, there is an idea floating around and it is known simply as modern monetary theory to the extent that there is a description that you can offer that would be fundamentally fair to its more reasonable proponents and its more reasonable critics. What is it? Well, modern monetary theory isn't, isn't just one theory as its name suggests. So it, it's a combination of a number of theories and beliefs and uh, they range from beliefs about how monetary policy should be conducted to beliefs about the origins of money and uh, to beliefs about what the right role of monetary versus fiscal policy is for achieving low inflation and so on. So let me discuss a few of these elements. Regarding the origins of money, the new monetary theorists are so-called chartalists. They believe that money is a creature of the state, that only the state can confer moneyness to various entities, whether they're uh, coins or pieces of paper. Or okay, we'll digits. stick a we'll stick a pin in that. But yeah. go okay, on. <laughs> and uh, and uh, here, as in most of their propositions, the the new monetary economists aren't aren't really all that new. Uh, chartalism is a very old idea. One of its more famous, but by no means its first proponents, was a fellow named George Knapp in the nineteen twenties, thirties. The theory was quite prominent. So there's nothing nothing new about that, but they they have picked up that older idea and run with it and tried to elaborate it. So they believe money is a, a creature of the state fundamentally and necessarily, whereas of course uh, some of us and myself included deny that that's the case and okay, study why? private monies as a way to show that. For the purposes of the theorists, why is it important that we clarify that moneyness, that is currency, can only be assigned by a government? Well, uh, it ultimately, from a practical point of view, the state theory of money is used as a basis for insisting that the state's powers of conferring monetary status allow it to do all sorts of things that it wouldn't be able to do if it lacked those powers. So the fundamental idea here is that if you have the power to just declare something money, and declare it something that everybody has to accept in exchange, then of course that tremendously uh, augments your potential to finance expenditures with anything you decide to confer that status on. To the extent that the government is the only entity that can confer currency, which of course is laughable if two people somewhere far away have agreed that something else is money. But to the extent that moneyness is something only uh, a government can confer, and it confers this power onto the government to spend however it, it wishes, it seems like it's just running the printing presses until the government is satisfied with what it's spending. 
Yes, it is. And indeed, uh, I think that it is not an unfair characterization of the new monetary economists that they are quite inclined to believe that the government really doesn't face any budget constraint insofar as it commands the power to, as it were, print money uh, or its digital equivalent. That doesn't mean, however, that they don't believe it's possible that doing so can can result in, excessively can result in inflation. And it doesn't mean that they don't believe that inflation is something that if it does break out, should doesn't have to be controlled. But in their opinion, that's that's something best done by the fiscal authorities by adjusting taxation or government expenditures rather than something that should be controlled by putting limits on, on the, the government's monetary powers and money creation. So in, in general, because I'm, I'm trying to find a way where this is something that is great, right? And I, I think what if you were to combine, say, if they say that the solution to these problems are political in nature, that is that is fiscal. Well, they're fiscal rather than monetary. Okay. So they, they don't really believe that the monetary authorities should or or even can effectively control inflation by regulating their money issues, but rather that uh, they should print money to accommodate to government expenditures, but that the government in turn should limit those expenditures or take other steps to make sure that uh, they don't result in inflation. If you go see a lot of certain kinds of rock bands, some people will decide, hey, I don't like that band because I don't like the fan base which is not a very fair thing to do if a, if a band has good music. In That's this right. case, it seems that the fans of this idea want the government to spend a hell of a lot more. I think that's that's right, and I think that the proponents of the new monetary economics are uh, doing nothing to disabuse their fans of the belief that the government could indeed spend a heck of a lot more and use its money printing capacity a heck of a lot more to fund all kinds of things, including, of course, uh, most notably now the the, the Green New Deal, uh, a program that, uh, by all accounts, would cost several. A trillion, trillion dollars, they would have it financed by the printing press. So let's uh, consider this uh, with respect to not just the, the spending that government does with money that it is just printed specifically for the purpose of spending on government resources. The flip side, and I think you're amenable to this idea, is that, well, the tax here is what is being removed from private exchange. The tax is what they're spending the money on. Well, yes, the, the cost of the program is consists of the resources. They would say the biophysical resources, but we just say plain old resources, uh, including labor and physical resources that are drawn away from other uses. However, and this is an important catch, uh, the new monetary uh, theorists believe that today, today, not just in 2009, say, or 2010, but today, there are still vast quantities of unemployed resources that can be tapped. And here, this is where uh, the new monetary economics resembles what I've called a, a very naive kind of Keynesianism. Because when Keynes wrote uh, in the 30s, certainly, there were vast amounts of unemployed resources. And increased government spending did not mean that some people who were employing these resources would have to do with less. 
Keynes himself, of course, recognized when World War II came around that the situation had changed and he started making arguments about how to control inflation. The new monetary economists, uh, in contrast, and in contrast not just with Keynes, but with most orthodox Keynesians, seem to be uh, uh, quite convinced that we're nowhere near our resource constraints or full employment today. Now, I hasten to say, there's a good debate to be had about whether we're at full, full employment, and we may be some distance from it, but we're certainly not uh, 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 incredibly far away from full employment today to the point where one can confidently assert, as some uh, of the new monetary economists have, that a huge spending initiative like the Green New Deal could be paid for without considerable sacrifice. This is quite apart from whether the sacrifice is worth it. You say that the modern monetary theorists, the people who are promoting this idea, view uh, government spending as something that is just a sovereign power uh, to print and spend money for whatever needs to be purchased uh, for the government. To the extent that they're printing additional dollars, uh, you would think that there would be a fairly significant upward inflationary pressure you say the theorists don't discount the idea that uh, this this would have inflationary pressure, but what does that mean? Well, they don't discount the possibility, but as I said, uh, their claim is that we are such a long way from full employment still that uh, this uh, money financed uh, expenditure could continue for quite to quite a large scale before that uh, inflation problem based on having gone beyond the point of full employment would become important. So while they acknowledge as a matter of theory that yes, if you once you get to full employment, you keep printing money and spending it, you're going to have to deal with uh, controlling inflation. They, I think it's fair to say that they make it sound like that's not something we really have to worry about in practice today, if indeed we ever really have to worry about it. Now, they also say that if inflation becomes a problem, the way to control it is not through monetary policy, that is by regulating the way the government creates money or the extent to which the Federal Reserve uh, monetizes government uh, debt or expenditures, but the way to control it is with fiscal policy. At that point, they say, the government should either tax more or spend less, but it's the fiscal authorities that should be in charge of controlling the behavior of the price level. And that too is highly controversial because the the wheels of fiscal policy, as it were, can turn awfully slowly. They certainly can't turn on a dime. And, and uh, regulating the price level has, because of that, conventionally be considered a responsibility of the monetary, not fiscal authorities. So here you have a much different view of how the practical problem of regulating inflation should be dealt with. And, and you would think that at least if you're thinking about the traditional ways, and I'm talking 100 years ago or more, uh, how governments spent money on resources, this theory would seem to, and tell me if I'm wrong, uh, remove the government from having to deal effectively with price constraints on the goods and services that they would like to purchase. Is that wrong? Well, it's wrong in the sense that, that as I said, the, the new monetary economists don't, don't deny that inflation, if it starts to break out, is something that, that can be regrettable. 
So they're not inflationists. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say they're not inflationists at all. By the way, I don't think the Keynesians are actually, some of them are inflationists. Keynes was not an inflationist. So, But the question is, okay, how does the government, and they, then they don't deny that the government is responsible for regulating inflation, for containing it. Uh, the controversy consists of two aspects of their views. The first, again, is their belief that even in a time like the present, we're so far away from full employment that inflation isn't really something we practically need to be concerned about. The government could spend many trillions more and finance it with a printing press and we're not going to have rising prices. That's first the first component, controversial component. The second controversial component is, again, this uh, the view that the way the government should try to control inflation is through regulating spending and taxes. So, for example, if they saw signs of inflation today and they conceded that, yes, we've reached the sign of full employment, but we're not finished with our Green New Deal and we want to keep financing it, at that point, they'd say, okay, let's tax people more. Let's uh, uh, spend less on other programs. We have to do some combination of those things to keep prices from continuing to go up. And that, that's their position. These aren't incoherent positions. The question is, is this really a practical way to deal with inflation if it happens using fiscal policy? Uh, is it something you can rely on? Think of how hard it is to cut spending programs, for example. Uh, then you start to see where the, I think that the serious practical shortcomings of these positions are. George Selgin directs Cato's Center for Monetary and Financial Alternatives. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.